Welcome back, Compass Bible Church, to the Compass Equip Podcast. Hey, hey. This is Pastor Evan, and I'm here with Pastor Hayden. Hey, guys. And here at Compass, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We reach people for Christ, we teach everyone to be like Christ, and we train everyone to serve Christ. And everything that we do, including this podcast, is to fulfill that mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, Compass Bible Church, the sermon is on navigating culture with the title of being Beginning with the End in Mind. And we are continuing in Colossians. So Colossians 3, chapter 3, verses 2 and 4. So let me read that to you as we dive into some of the sermon commentary. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 2. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When, and when Christ, who is in your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. All right, Pastor Hayden, what are some of the things that our church needs to have a reminder of as we dive back into Colossians chapter 3? Hey guys, so glad to be with you guys this week. Uh, as we're jumping in, this is the last sermon from our Navigating Culture series. And so as we're ending it, we want to make sure that we, like all Christians, ought to begin with the end in mind. We need to make sure that uh, as Paul is trying to help the uh, Colossian church understand uh, that they need to set their minds on things that are above. They need to stay focused on what they can expect from God and not on the perishing offerings of this world. As we see throughout Scripture, Paul is saying to set our minds on things above, and he's not being ethereal, and he's not being uh, sub, uh, super uh, object, subjective, I guess would be the good word there. Uh, is he's actually pointing out things that we need to understand about the Christian faith. Like, we understand uh, what things are above, or our salvation. And as Paul's saying there in verse 3, our life is hidden with Christ. And so our lives are up there, uh, so we can be setting our focus and our hope on things that are above, because that's where our life is hidden. Uh, we understand that that's where Christ is going to come from when he comes back and reigns uh, for the millennium kingdom. We understand that, uh, that the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, the new temple, we understand that so many things are coming from heaven. And our our life is hidden there with Christ in heaven. So when we're thinking about putting our minds on things that are above, there are real tangible things about our lives and our minds uh, being focused on things that are above. So it's not just a nod at saying we don't need to look at things on the earth. We have real investments that are awaiting on us here that we are there in heaven that we need to be focusing on. And so we need to be instead focusing on what we can expect from God and not this world. And Paul's saying we can do those things because we've died to the world. And we truly are, and who we truly are, is hidden with Christ in heaven. And so that means that that should make us so eager to await for the appearing of Christ. Because we know when Christ appears, who we are, who we genuinely are, and our glorious bodies will appear with him in glory. And so, so much about us is wrapped up in Christ appearing. So we need to be eagerly looking Focusing on those things are above because that's exactly where Christ is coming. And for those of you who are trying to figure out who am I, what's my identity, who you are and who you truly are in Christ will be revealed at the appearing of Jesus Christ. All right, Pastor Hayden, uh, what are three ways that we can apply this sermon this week? Three ways we can apply our sermon this week. Uh, one thing we need to be doing is really, really get serious. And as I preached on, on Sunday, we need to get serious about knowing the future reality of our faith. One of the big reasons I believe in our culture that people aren't 
uh, serious about being a Christian today is because they don't know what's awaiting them. Uh, and so many people don't want to talk about eschatology. They don't. They say th- uh, trying to understand what's going to happen then, trying to you know think about heaven. Those things are futile because we can't really know. And uh, that's really false when it comes to the Christian faith because God has revealed so much about what life is going to be like and how we need to be preparing uh, and being ready for that future reality. And so I think one of the biggest stumbling blocks in front of every Christian is their lack of the serious uh, the seriousness that they. Uh, take in knowing the future reality of their faith. And so we as Christians need to get serious about knowing the future reality of our faith because it's going to get you excited, it's going to get you motivated, and it's going to get you uh, really stayed on the focus on the things that are above. And it's going to give you a great foundation when, when life gets hard or when things seem more appealing here on earth. Knowing the future reality of your faith is going to put your life back in check and it's going to help you know uh, what's to come and how those things are so much more glorious than what we have here. Uh, and that's going to help you do the second point here, and it's start living for the then and there and the here and now. There's so much about our future reality that we can be looking forward to, and Christ and Paul and the apostles and the prophets, they're pointing us to saying, hey, there is this expectation that we live here and now, right here, right now, uh, for the then and there. You know, there, there is a need for holiness. There is a need for us to be living upright and holy lives in the present age because we get to, we're waiting for something to happen. And we understand that our salvation has been bought and purchased for us, and it's hidden with Christ, protected by the power of God, and we can live right here in, in, in victory today, knowing that our salvation is uh, protected in heaven by the power of God. We've been given the Holy Spirit, and God says, Go be holy, for I am holy, because now you have the capacity and the power to do it because you have Christ in you. And so now we can start living right here, right now, further than in there, because we have the capacities to do those things, so we ought to do those things. And finally, I want you as a church, we as pastors, want you to grasp your connection to Christ's eternal reign. What does that mean? That means this, you got to understand that Christ didn't just come to save you. He did those things, and that's a very important foundational aspect of what it means to be a Christian. But it isn't in there. Right? Christ didn't save us, and we're going we're gonna to get into heaven. He's going to give us a high five and say, get on with your life. No, everything about our life is connected to who Christ is in his eternal reign. For instance, in Revelation, it says we're going to be his army. He's going to be coming out in his white stallion. He's going to be coming down to earth. And you know who's going to be behind him? You and me. Right, P.E.? That's right. right? In white robes, flowing. We're going to be looking fly, looking glorious. Giddy up. And we're going to be behind him. We are going to be a part of that eternal reign. You know what Ephesians 5 says? We're his bride. Uh, even, uh, even Revelation says we are going to be at the, what? The brides, or the, or the, sorry, here we go, the supper of the lamb. There you go. The marriage supper of the lamb. There you go. The marriage supper of the lamb. And so we understand that we are very much a part of what Christ is doing for eternity. Uh, we're his citizens, as Philippians says. Like, our citizenship is in heaven. Uh, scripture also says that we're sons and we're heirs to God. Uh, and it also says that we're his possession, that his dwelling place is going to be with us and our dwelling place is going to be with him. And so we need to understand that it goes past so much more than turning from your sins and trusting in Christ. That's the starting point. And from that point on, every single thing about our lives, all the way into the furthest depths of eternity, are going to be ultimately connected to Christ and his eternal reign. Now, Compass, as we dive into our application questions this week, it is really important that we just don't focus on just the knowledge. You know, Pastor Hayden, you, we were discussing earlier about, you know, we just don't want to be you knowers of the word. We want to be doers. Can you explain what you want us to do during the application questions this week for our life groups? 
Yeah, you're in a life group, and I hope you're in a life group. If you're listening to this and you're not in a life group, jump in a life group this week. They're so important for your community and for you to be connected to God's family. More than just when we're together corporately on Sunday, you need to get into a small group where you get to know people individually and live life together in a group. Now, what I would make sure you're doing if you're in a group, you need to see uh, this sermon as not just informative, but also applicational. And so when you read these questions on the application questions on the back of your note sheet or online, you don't only need to answer those with information and with knowledge. You need to ask yourself the question, what does this mean for me today? And then answer these questions in light of what this means for your life today, this week, next week, this month, this year. You need to be looking at Scripture as though... Uh, scripture is trying to ask you the question, what does this mean for you today? Because that's very well what Scripture is. It's God telling you, hey, there is expectations because I want to be connected with you. I have revealed myself to you, and I'm knowable. And here's how you can know me and live for me. And so when we read these application questions, answer the question, what does this mean for your life today? And then give examples of how you can live in the here and now while focusing on the then and there. If you do those things, uh, this sermon, I hope, would serve to really transform the way that you live your life for the Lord. As we do the application questions questions together, we're always turning to God's Word. We need to make sure that we're asking those questions. What does this mean for my life today? How can I properly worship God? And now we, oh, you want to say something, Pastor Ian? No, that was good. I think, I think where you're going is good. Uh, I think what we need to make sure that we're doing in these application questions is always going back to the to the scripture and saying, what does this mean? And it's in real time, what does this mean there for uh, the first century uh, readers? But also, what does God have, uh, what does God have in here that's for all time? And how can I apply that to me now? Uh, we're going to the section, your favorite section. That's right. Uh, daily Bible reading spotlight. Spotlight. Wow. Spotlight. Spotlight. And you, are, Pastor Evan, are going to walk us through Leviticus 1 through Leviticus 17. And this is a big time book in the Old Testament. And we cannot wait to help you guys look at this and, and go through this week's DBR. And so, Pastor Evan, can you take away and tell us the purpose of Leviticus 1 through 17? And just like the application questions, we want to make sure when we're reading our daily Bible reading, we're not just gaining knowledge, but making sure that we understand what is the purpose then, what is the eternal pro- purpose always, and then how can we apply it now? Because we are not under these laws anymore, because this is a the laws for Israel. But with Leviticus, for many people... It's not their favorite book in the Bible. This is one where, again, DBR goals die. But this is one of my favorite books in the Bible because it shows us what it means to be holy. So if you have a a Bible that you're willing to write in, on the title Leviticus, put in parentheses saying, what does it mean to be holy? And this is like the purpose of the book is to understand what it means to be holy. And to help you grasp that, here's, here's a very simple outline. Chapters 1 to 10 is just our way to God. Chapters 11 to 27 is excuse me, Israel's way to God. And now Israel's way to live with God. Essentially, it's all going to be revolved around the term holiness. And so holiness, holiness, what it means is to be set apart. And the main point in Leviticus can be found in our DBR this week in Leviticus 11, where Peter actually quotes this in 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16, because God tells Israel and essentially the whole world, for I am the Lord, your God, consecrate yourselves, you know, make yourselves holy, make yourselves set apart and be holy for I am holy. 
Essentially, what the whole Bible is showing, especially Leviticus, is that since God is set apart, his people are also to be set apart. And there's two practical ways that Israel can do this. And even as Christians, we can take the same principles. First is our holiness and how we approach God. And that is through our uh, through worship, and as we, as we read the different offerings, that's that's worship. You have the burnt offering, grain offering, peace offering. Those are just different ways to worship. There's the sin offering, guilt offering, to worship God for His mercy. But the grain offering and peace offering, that's not to really atone for sins. The grain offering is just an offering of thanksgiving. And so with our worship, it's through thanksgiving and the acknowledgement of God's mercy in our worship. So you're going to see the burnt offering, and the burnt offering is for what? The atonement of sin. Okay, and then you have the grain offering, which you're going to read. What is it about? Thankfulness for God's provision. That he's, that he's provided for them, gave them the things they need. What about the peace offering? What is that? That is it's, it's Israel's desired fellowship with God. Because remember, in the garden... Mankind was kicked out of God's presence, but God said, no, I'm going to have a plan to bring you back in. And the rest of the Bible is going to be that plan being fleshed out. Good. And you have the sin offering? It's just a a purification of Israel. Okay. And then you have the guilt and trespass offering. And essentially it's a trespass offering because it's taking something that belongs to God, uh, that belongs to God that you need to give back and sacrifice back to him. But essentially... In, the, in our worship, in our worship, in Israel's worship, the pattern you need to see in the holiness is it's being setting apart our best. It's offering our best worship. For them, they're offering the best sacrifice. We need to offer our best worship as we worship God every day, not just on Sundays, not just in our quiet time, but all the time. And then continuing in Leviticus, you'll see that their worship leaders also need to be set apart. Essentially, their holiness is following God's instructions. You see Aaron and his sons were set apart as the priests of Israel in their sacrifice, and it was um, acceptable by God because they followed his instructions. They followed his set-apart holy instructions. But we'll read again in Leviticus that his uh, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, they died for disobeying God. They, they did a strange fire. But essentially what the point of this is, you don't want to miss, is it's the seriousness of God's holiness, the seriousness of God's set apartness. And it refers back to Exodus 33, 20, when Moses says, I want to see your glory. And God says, you cannot see my face for God cannot see me and live. Essentially, God for is man, so, for man for, cannot see sorry, me and live. That's, that's right. Good. For man. So we, God is so holy that anything unholy will be annihilated in his presence. And Nadab and Abihu are that example of how holy God is. Now, the second way that we practically apply Leviticus is, you know, the holiness, how we live in the presence of God, living a set apart, a holy set apart life. Now, as you dive into Leviticus 11 to 15, you're going to see a lot of unclean and uh, clean and unclean. Now, unclean does not necessarily mean sinful. What God is trying to show is the consequences of sin. You know, there's food out there that you know, a lot of it's trying to separate Israel from the pagan religions around there. But from the childbirth, why did you know for childbirth? What what does that remind you of? The fall in Genesis three, the pain of childbirth birth will increase. You see leprosy and skin disease and different discharges, all the the result of living in a fallen world. So that is unclean. That cannot be in the presence of God. Reminding Israel, this is the consequences of sin. This is the consequences of being unholy that you have to, you're separated, which leads right into Leviticus 16 of the day of atonement, where the date of atonement, yeah, this is a definite foreshadow of the sacrifice of Christ, but essentially means it's trying to show is that it's cleansing all of Israel. 
cleansing the unclean worshipers because they're so unholy and God is so holy that there's a separation that is being shown to Israel in the world. But God's saying through a sacrifice, I will make you clean. And so that's again, a foreshadow of what Christ is eventually going to be doing. Now, finally, as we're finishing up this week's DBR, we will be jump beginning the different various laws that shows Israel to live a holy set apart life that is different from it, the pagan world. And we're you know jumping in into um, some of the taboos of drinking blood. We'll d- jump into tattoos, and what it's not saying is you know you it's not just any tattoo. You know, a tattoo of a cross, a tattoo of some random person's face. No, it's all about revolving around pagan worship. Pagan worship revolved around drinking blood. Pagan worship said we were putting symbols on our bodies to recognize false gods and all these things. So as you know, the mixture of cloth, we're going to talk about that next week. But essentially, as we're about to begin that, remember, God is trying to help Israel be set apart from the pagan world to show that God is holy. And the point of all this is this. Sin separates everyone from the presence of God. And we see that in the Day of Atonement. Everyone needed to be cleansed. And there's only one way back to God through holiness. Only once a year could Israel enter the presence of God. And that was through the Day of Atonement. And the, only one person could do it. It's There's a need of a, of a holy life. The need of a holy sacrifice. Uh, the, the lamb, the priest living a holy life, making sure he's cleansed to be in the presence of God. God. And he couldn't even be there on his own right. He had to sacrifice for himself before he could sacrifice for Israel. That's right. And so there's a whole purpose. The the purpose of Leviticus is to show how holy God is and how holy we need to be. But as Israel needs to be shown, is this law is pointing them to, is that they can't do it on their own. There is someone else, this offspring that's supposed to come that was promised back in Genesis 3, Genesis 3, who is Christ. And as Christians, we know Jesus is that sacrifice. Jesus is that high priest. Jesus is standing in the Holy of Holies once and now and forever on our behalf. And now because we are made holy through Christ, now we are now cleansed through his blood. We can now have God's presence in us as Christians. And as the sermon talks about, look forward to being in God's full presence one day. And we need to see a perspective here. We often look at uh, internally there uh, Israel and all the things they had to do, but we also need to look at the perspective of the nations outside of Israel. And you see all of these uh, commands and all of these uh, things that Israel was doing to show that they were set apart and the testimony that they shared to the world and to the other nations as those nations looked at them and said, wow, these people are different. These people are strange. Uh, And what they did is Israel was a testimony to the world that to be in the presence of God, to live for the Lord, to be God's people, it looked different. You were set apart and you were consecrated. And my life and my decisions are all different because I'm in relationship with God. And that should be something we take away as Christians today in the 21st century is that it's still different and it's still odd and peculiar to follow Christ. And we do need to live set apart in holy lives because we're not only doing that uh, to, to be pleasing to God, but we're doing it to a testimony to the world that we're following Christ and His and to worship Him is to be set apart. We do things different because we love the Lord and it's pleasing to Him and we get to show people what it really means and what it looks like to follow the only true God. So as you read the daily Bible daily Bible reading this week, make sure that I, I, our prayer is that you actually enjoy Leviticus because you get to see how holy our great God is. 
is. Now, this is now, you know, DBR is now ending. Now, we'll jump into the special topic, Pastor right. Hayden, that we are jumping into worldview. So, kind of lay the groundwork and let's tackle the special topic for this week, worldview. Hey guys, we're talking about worldview uh, mostly because it's something that we've been, we've been talking about in our Navigating Culture sermon series, but it's also something that you are going to be coming face-to-face with every single day of your life. And I want to do a good job defining worldview for you so you understand what we mean by it and what other people mean when they say worldview. Uh, a worldview is a, is a framework of basic presuppositions that you function with in your life to make everyday decisions. And so it's really saying, hey, here's where I come from, and here are the presuppositions that I make to answer the questions of my daily life. And this is important, and the Bible says this is important, because at the end of the day, we've got to know where we're coming from, and we got to know how to make decisions based on a Christian worldview, or what we would say is a biblical worldview. And you have to ask the question, why does it matter? It matters because it matters to God. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, the Apostle Paul says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. This is something we need to know when it comes to worldview. I'm not fighting with my neighbor. I'm not fighting with uh, the president. I'm not, fighting with, uh, the, I'm not fighting with individual people here. Because my war is not against flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And so here's what we do instead. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. So worldview is this. We have a biblical worldview, which means that we understand what God's word says and the knowledge of God uh, tells us to do. Now, what we're going to do instead is when we talk with people, we're going to destroy arguments. We're not destroying people. We're not beating people up here. We want to make sure that we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we're going to take every thought captive to obey Christ. So that means all of our presuppositions as Christians are based upon the worldview of the Bible. Now, here's what we do know. The world doesn't come from that uh, perspective. The world uh, isn't concerned about the knowledge of God. It's not concerned with taking every thought captive to obey Christ, but we are. And so this is why it matters to have a biblical worldview, because the way that the world is making decisions has nothing to do with their care of the knowledge of God or their desire to take every thought captive to obey Christ. And so that's why we need to make sure that we understand what a worldview is and how we work from a worldview. All right, Pastor Hayden, what are some examples of some worldview conflict that we as a church will face as we interact with the world this week, this month, this year? There's, there's so many ways. Every single day of your life, you're going to be dealt with worldview conflicts. Uh, if, you're, if you're a parent right now and you have homeschooled your kid or you have private schooled your kid or you have public schooled your kid, you have made those decisions based on worldview, right? And, and you have a concern with how your kids are being taught. Well, that's a worldview difference because you have people writing a curriculum that do not believe that we have a, a, a God of the universe who is directly involved in our lives, that we have this omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God who, who desires to be in relationship with us. Well, that's going to change the way that you write curriculum uh, for your students in school. And as a parent, you want your kids to know, hey, God uh, has created the universe. He's holy. He's just. He's perfect. And he loves you. Well, you're not going to get that just anywhere. And that's why the church is so important, because the church is going to teach the knowledge of God. And uh, some, some ways that you can think about this in, in an everyday way, uh, when you think of other religions, when you talk about worldview, is ask this question. Uh, you know, who is God? Or, or ask the question uh, that many will say, you'll hear this all the time, well, you know, I just want to be one with the universe. And you have religions, when you ask this question, is God one with the universe? Well, there's people who are going to say yes. 
uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, really Eastern pantheism or this pantheistic idea that God and the universe are one thing. Okay, well, you also have other religions and other worldviews who say, no, that's not true. Christian theism, Judaism, Islam, Mormons, Jehovah Witness, they don't believe that God is one with the universe. They believe that God is separate and distinct from the universe. Now, just because you have now Christians uh, uh, and Judaism and Islam and Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses agree that there is only one God of the universe, does that mean that we have the same worldview? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's just one area that we have a, we have an agreement in our worldview. Because then you have this important question as Christians. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Is Jesus the only way? Well, you have one worldview that exists in our world that says yes, and it's Christianity, Christian theism. Every other worldview will say no to the question, is Jesus the only way? Or if they say yes, they have caveats. Say yes, he is, but you also have to do these things. There is only one worldview that says Jesus is the only way period. And it's important for us to understand worldview in that way, because when people disagree with you, they're usually disagreeing with your worldview. Now, Cuppus, there's a several things that we can we can dive into. For example, like there's the personal versus impersonal God, uh, subjective and objective truth, you know, the American dream versus the gospel dream and, you know, creation evolution. But those are different worldview conflicts that you will will face in you know, we want to make sure that you are equipped to know what does God have to say about the, the, you know, the American dream versus the gospel dream. But for the sake of time, we're going to move forward a little bit. So this, just to know that there's implications in this and how you view certain things, for example, marriage, children, jobs. And so you need to make sure that the question you ask about anything is, what does the Bible say? And the Bible does say a lot about these things. Let's start with marriage, okay? What is marriage? Well, we fight so hard as Christians to say marriage is a union between a man and a woman, uh, and it's and it's for the purpose of displaying uh, the truth of Christ and his church, because that's what Ephesians 5 says. The, this mystery is profound, but I'm saying that marriage refers to Christ and the church. So why do we live in marriage in a different way as Christians? It's not because we want to hate on everybody or we believe uh, that we believe that, that we just want to be angry, rude people. No, because we believe and understand marriage from a biblical worldview that marriage is refers to Christ and his church. That's why we hold uh, to the sanctity of marriage and what it is. And you also have children. P.E., talk a little bit about children and the way the world sees it versus the Bible. And the world sees children just as a commodity or either as, you know, a good blessing for yourself or just, you know, parasites in the home. But what the Bible describes, you can see this in Deuteronomy 6, even fleshed out in Matthew 28, is there are little people who need to be discipled. As Deuteronomy 6 says, you need to make sure that you are diligently teaching your children about who God is and what he has done and for them to follow, follow them. So essentially... Children are a stewardship in God's eyes. A heritage from the Lord. That you need to send off as arrows into the next generation. For what purpose? For them to make disciples. For them to spread the glory of God. So children aren't just a blessing for us to enjoy, but rather something for God to expand his glory here on earth. That's right. And secondly, or thirdly, we have jobs. What the world says a job is versus what the Bible says. A lot of us just think, a lot of the world thinks that jobs are just, hey, something that pays the bills. Uh, it's just something I got to do because that's the way our government has created other structure of our of our society. But not at all. The Bible teaches that whether we eat or whether we drink, whatever we do, we do it all to the glory of God. And it also says in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily is for the Lord and not for men. And we got to make sure that when we are working, that we work through a biblical worldview. 
and not through the ideas of the world. It's more than a job. It's a commitment. It's to show people that you're living for the Lord. When people are complaining about their job, you don't complain about your job. You talk about how it's a blessing, and you do it in such a way where your witness and your testimony gives glory and honor and praise to God, and that by all means, you might win some people to the Lord. All right, Compass, there's a few announcements we want to give as we wrap up this podcast. First off, the Compass Students D Now is happening very soon, February 18th. That's a Friday night to Sunday, February 20th. So make sure that your student or the students here at Compass are all registered today. Also, Compass Men, we have a fellowship coming up on uh, Saturday, February 12th. Now, this is for your uh, your life group leader. We'll let you know where that, that is. Uh, the fellowships are just for individual life groups. You'll be discussing the sermon that I taught on you know, building a good reputation. If you need a copy of the book, The Measure of a Man, because we'll be discussing chapters one and two in our fellowships, you email me at evan at compasshillcountry.org, and I'll get you a copy. Or find me after church on Sunday. Uh, or during the week. And all the ladies, there is a Compass Women's Breakfast Saturday, February 26th at 10 a.m. at the New Braunfels Civic Center. So make sure that you uh, join you uh, RSVP if there's RSVP being sent out for that. Uh, but also, you'll be hearing, you know, uh, as you're hearing uh, Kayla Thomas uh, give a good teaching. Um, also, this is a great place to d- develop relationships as a life group, but also to invite other ladies in the community to join. Make sure, gals, you go to that. There is no RSVP, so just show up for that uh, and enjoy the time of fellowship and the teaching from Kayla. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here with us. We hope you enjoy this podcast and are hoping that this trains you to be the disciple of Christ that you're hoping to be and you're looking at becoming as you continue growing in your faith. We look forward to seeing you soon. Mm-hmm.